Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey folks, Norm here. We're in week three of our Kickstarter, and with your help, we've already reached $34,406. We're keeping the momentum going with another stretch goal coming at the $37,500 mark. The return of Drabble Classics each month. Drabble Classics was a way for us to bring you stories from our 400-episode archive with new intros done by fans and new conversations around those stories. Thank you all for keeping the momentum going here with us. Two more weeks to go. You can find the Drabblecast Reborn Kickstarter in our show notes this week, or by searching for the Drabblecast Reborn on Kickstarter or on Google. And speaking of Drabble Classics, I was going through old drawers the other day and came across a little something-something that kind of made me laugh. It was a flash story called Globes that I'd written 25 years ago for 7th grade English class. I got an A, apparently, and wherever he is right now, Mr. Powell, just want to thank you for being the first strange editor to encourage this strange young author to one day bring strange stories like this one to strange listeners like yourself. Without further ado, I bring you Globes by 11-year-old Norm Sherman. The moonlit tide seemed without peace on this particularly strange Wednesday night. It wasn't the ocean's unmerciful beating of the soft sands along the tide that made it strange, and it wasn't the Stevensons partying next door that made it strange either. In fact, the only possible solution to what made this particular Wednesday night this completely and utterly bizarre were the two enormous globes that were just now washing onto the surf. The globes seemed to infect the air around them with an evil so great that it was in fact noticeable to the naked eye as a soft, glowing green. It was as if these globes had a purpose, a purpose so diabolical that if the unfortunate bystander who might come across these spheroids shining in the night's own sun knew of the horrific purpose behind these massive ovals, they would most certainly die in exasperation. But just what these balls from hell intended to do with the human race was yet to be revealed until the daytime. Tonight, the Stevensons could party, and the rest of the world could sleep. Peaks of sunlight could be seen rising above the horizon. The first patches of joggers could be seen making their way from down the distant tideline for their morning run. All was at peace for the moment. Even the spheroids seemed to be at ease with the secret monstrous intentions they had within. The first to see them was Linda Stevenson. Tired and hungover from the party last night, she had had to test her vision twice from her banister before she was certain of what she saw out there in the surf. Stuart, get over here!' she screamed. Stuart, her husband, after taking what seemed to be an eternity to stop what he was doing and obey his wife, finally arrived. "'My God, what are those?' he gasped. They stood and stared for a while until Stuart finally worked up the courage. "'Well, whatever they are, I'm going over there to find out.' "'Stuart, be careful,' Linda begged. Before long, Stuart was examining the strange globes and motioning for the gathering crowd to come join him. 
Little by little, the crowd grew, until by noon there was a roaring mob demanding to know any information they could about these foreboding twins of darkness. Then, from out of the beach parking lot, he came. With the sun to his back and his troubles only just before him, Dr. Lechvik, marine biologist, at last arrived to explain the intruders. In all of Dr. Lechvik's years of study, he had only remembered one distinct case that fit the profile of what he saw now, and a hard lump suddenly grew in his throat. It had been Indonesia, 1854, an account he'd read about in some cracked yellow scientific journal in the libraries of UCLA. I know many of you will be shocked, appalled, and even afraid to hear my explanation of this phenomenon you see before you. In all of my years of study, I have but once come across an occurrence such as this, and I assure you the simple answers you seek unfortunately are of little consequence to the greater truths that they represent. Linda Stevenson butted in in her usual way. Get to the point, doctor. What are these giant balls? How did they get here? And, and what do they want with us? intervened Stuart. <laughs> want? Want with you? Lechvik asked querulously. My good man, whatever could these immense orbs ever want with you? No, they, they glow. They, they call out to me, Stuart stammered, turning white, sweat shimmering on his brow. They, they whisper, muttered a jogger who had long ago stopped stretching to keep her legs warm. Then louder, they want to be fed. Lechvik frowned. Now, now, as a man of science, I must intervene and tell you, I will offer myself, an old fisherman said in a flat, monotone voice, stumbling forward. I will become the beast's unholy bride. The globes have returned, a young girl said, not looking up from the sandcastle she was building. It was a sandcastle like none had ever seen before, with peculiar sloping spires and long, strange doors placed far from the ground. The globes have returned, the crowd all muttered as one. Lechvik pursed his lips and rubbed his head in frustration. Ladies and gentlemen, if we could all just take a minute to settle down. The feeling as if the crowd was beginning to bear down on him made him uneasy. My wife, the orbs demand sacrifice, cried Stuart Stevenson, his fists ringing in his hair. Linda stared blankly into the distant horizon. The crowd was restless now. The orbs demand sacrifice, each of them could be heard repeating under their breaths. The orbs demand sacrifice. I demand you all stop this at once, Dr. Lechvik cried out, backing up and losing his footing on the little girl's bizarre sandcastle. He fell backwards into the sand, the cold surf splashing up around his shoulders, the immense and malevolent globes towering over him like harbingers of the end. Testicles, he cried out. They're just castrated whale testicles. Indonesia, 1854, the Nielsen account, the lost city of Balapur. Please, you all must listen to me. But Stuart already had his hands clenched around his wife's throat. The old fisherman had stripped off his fishing vest and clothing and lay thrashing naked in the surf. The little girl slowly rebuilt her strange city in the sand. This has all happened before, the doctor's voice trailed off, lost in the turmoil. This has all happened before, repeated the little girl, scooping up fresh sand with a tiny shovel.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.